0: Welcome to Trending Health, where we provide you with valuable insights and perspectives on the evolving healthcare industry. Brought to you by Dynamic, Trending Health explores industry topics that are real, relevant, and worth discussing. I'm your host, Jen Burke. Cell and gene therapies present an enormous opportunity for patients. The ability to insert or adapt genetic material is a true breakthrough for precision medicine and brings hope to those with previously incurable diseases. However, Bringing these therapies to patients comes with enormous complexity, from research and approval through manufacturing and administration. With nearly 30 FDA-approved therapies and more than 1,500 registered clinical trials, this growing class is no longer a niche investment market for life sciences companies. Today, Mindy and I are joined by special guests Rebecca Sisselman and Karen Baldry to discuss the opportunities Cell and Gene Therapies present, the challenges industry partners may be facing, and key considerations for navigating towards success. Welcome, Rebecca and Karen, and thank you both so much for joining us today. Thanks, Jen. It's great to be here. Really looking forward to this topic, Jen. Okay, so fair warning. For the sake of brevity, I'm probably going to be calling cell and gene therapy CGT a lot during this episode because it is a bit of a mouthful. Rebecca, let's start with a sense of the overall CGT market. What are we seeing when it comes to cell and gene therapies?
1: Even though it may seem like only a few of the approved therapies are making it to patients, more on that later, CGT is definitely still considered a growth market for life sciences organizations. The CGT market is already worth billions of dollars and growing with about 50 launches expected in 2024. In fact, to address the influx of submissions, the FDA's Center for Biologics Evaluation and Research actually established a new super office earlier this year.
2: We can't emphasize enough how big of a deal it is that the FDA's CBER unit actually created the super office. I think it is representative right, of the volume and the velocity that we're expecting to see in terms of growth in cell and gene therapy, and also highlights some of the unique qualities and complexities associated with these types of therapies, because they're really, really different from anything that's come before. And so there are a ton of considerations for the regulatory approval process when it comes to taking these therapies and actually approving them. Right, Mindy. And on top of that, there's a huge
3: diversity in disease targets for CGTs. We've seen recent progress in the rare disease spaces like beta thalassemia or Duchenne's muscular dystrophy. But we've also seen estimates of CGTs having the potential to replace, I've heard one estimate, 70% of oncology drugs. And we're seeing the pipeline include candidates for things like solid tumors and even type 1 diabetes. So this is going to be huge for patients, not only for rare disease patients who have of course been underserved for so long, but all patients, especially when we start talking about things like truly curative therapies.
0: Okay, now I'm really excited and I get why the industry is too. When we talk about the opportunity and the potential, not just in the rare disease market, but for broader patient populations as well. And just the sheer volume and diversity we're expecting in this space makes it a really exciting time. But given some of the recent headlines around therapies being pulled from the market or having delays to launches, it seems like this is an area that life sciences organizations are really having challenges realizing the potential of their investment. What is really going on within the CGT space, Rebecca, that makes it so challenging to get it right? I can't emphasize enough
1: the complexity of these therapies, starting with the manufacturing process. Some CGTs start with the patient's own material that is modified. Others start with donor's genetic material. But ultimately, all CGTs are personalized medicines and manufacturing them is just incredibly complicated, expensive, and hard to scale.
3: Rebecca, agree. I think we're going to use the word complex a lot throughout today's podcast. When we compare CGTs to other therapies from either a manufacturing perspective or a supply chain perspective, a few complexities jump out to me. One is exactly what you've mentioned around that specialized manufacturing process. The second is around just much lower volumes of the manufactured final product, of course, due to the small trial and target population and the fact that it's often just a single dose. And then third, it's an extremely short shelf life and has strict cold chain requirements, making the supply chain really complex as well. So all of these contributing to both complexity but also the high cost of cell and gene therapies.
2: Karen, we were talking about this offline, and I was saying, you know, when I think about cell and gene therapies, I think about the challenge that cell and gene therapies provide to the entire system, right? And like really challenging the status quo of how we have traditionally thought about therapies. I look more specifically at the reimbursement side of things, because y'all know I like to geek out on that. But I would say when we look at our current payer system, it is not well-suited to accommodate these types of single dose or multi-dose therapies where the long-term treatment efficacy, the risk benefit ratios, and the safety still remain very uncertain. So it's almost like a short-term investment for the long-term benefit. And that's where I think the payer system really struggles. In addition to that, we have less robust evidence, which leads to hard decisions about the value of those benefits from CGTs, both for the patient and the overall health system, even if a patient is a good candidate for a treatment, you mentioned manufacturing, I think about the logistics of therapy, and the delivery costs and how these handoffs become very costly as well. And as I mentioned before, you know, I think payers just haven't really caught up with the developments of CGT, and are really struggling to figure out what that return on investment will be and how their policies need to be adjusted to mirror how the science is moving. And this all results in hurdles along the way and potentially even barriers to things like patient access. Right,
3: Mindy. In addition to access, let's back it up to
2: thinking about the approval process.
3: Efficacy still remains a central challenge to approving CGTs. The good news is the FDA has authorized expedited approval programs. So things like fast track and breakthrough therapy and RMAT, so regenerative medicine advanced therapy and priority review designations. That's the good news. But due to the long-term nature of CGTs and especially those that are aiming to prove they're curative in the long-term, it's complicated. It's complicated to generate that real-world evidence and really getting a control group over that long term, there's some ethical questions that the industry is really facing there.
1: And Karen, even in the best case scenario where therapy is approved and reimbursed, the experience is still enormously complex for patients. It entails numerous phases of planning from diagnostic testing to treatment selection and enrollment, often traveling to a treatment center since not all health systems are set up to deliver these treatments pre-treatment prep, and
0: then that long-term monitoring is key. Karen joked about starting a complex counter for the episode. I'm not quite sure where we are yet, but listening to you, you all talk about the challenges within the cell and gene therapy space, I'm really feeling like we need almost like a bigger word or a more complex word than complex to really describe what it takes to be successful in the cell and gene therapy market. Karen, as the head of our life sciences sector, where do you really see our partners going from here? Based on the numbers we discussed at the top of the episode, it feels like the CGT train is full steam ahead. So what can organizations be thinking about to really help them maximize their chance for success?
3: The thing that comes to mind for me based on conversations with our life sciences clients who are working in this area They're thinking about, as we've discussed already, manufacturing, supply chain optimization, of course, market access, patient experience, and then their overall approach to commercialization.
1: From a supply chain perspective, it's all about just-in-time production to limit inefficiencies, given the patient's specific treatments and individual needs. Strong forecasting of demand and production timelines will be critical to increase efficiency.
2: And I would say from an access perspective, some of the work that we've partnered with clients on is really teeing up and looking through innovative reimbursement methods, things like outcomes-based payments, value-based payments over time, Like really working closely with payers and sites upfront to identify what those optimal payment models are because these are big expensive drugs and as a result, Creativity needs to come into play when you think about how the system is going to be able to afford them.
3: Agree, Mindy, that's such a focus of conversations across CGT. One thing I don't think is talked about enough is the importance of the overall commercialization strategy and the related operating model. It's a big decision for the cell and gene therapy companies that are so focused on R&D and then maybe on manufacturing. They also need to decide- how they're going to commercialize. Do they do it themselves? Do they find a partner? You know, Do they become part of a larger organization? And even the larger organizations, the larger pharmas and biotechs that have CGT as part of their portfolio, they're thinking about how they need to operate significantly differently within the cell and gene therapy part of their business just due to the nature of how different and, as we've said, complex these therapies are.
1: We're really seeing the need for new or differentiated roles when it comes to CGT. The extended CGT patient journey that I mentioned earlier requires robust patient services and infrastructure. The intricate handoffs between the manufacturer and the site of care requires extensive coordination. CGT organizations need representatives to liaise with site leaders coordinators for patient management, network coordinators to facilitate patient pathing and data sharing. We are seeing it all.
3: When I think about the future of operating models for cell and gene therapy companies, I think about how they're going to leverage partnerships. And that's whether it's with care networks or manufacturing partners or patient services. You know, these companies with cell and gene therapies are starting to really understand the value of identifying and establishing strong partnership networks. And I think there's real value to be unlocked in that, especially for integrated partnerships, which can help to accelerate the path from gene modification to therapy manufacturing. And it just helps with communications are more effective across the value chain. Timelines are shortened as a result of greater transparency. There are shared systems and technology and processes and data, and that can really help to reduce bottlenecks and eliminate barriers, and at the end of the day, really helps to improve the patient journey. But candidly, that level of integration can be really hard to achieve.
1: I completely agree, Karen. We once worked with a gene therapy client who had more than 50 clinical and commercial partnerships with major health systems. And whereas originally they had multiple tools to track engagement with these treatment centers and just really shared information in an ad hoc manner, we helped them develop and operationalize an engagement model that was in line with their organizational goals and patient treatment needs. So it allowed them to become coordinated, cohesive, and efficient in their interactions with those sites and ensured that treatment center related issues were addressed quickly and effectively. In any partnership, clear definition of objectives and ways of working is critical to achieving expected outcomes and assuring mutual success.
3: I agree, Rebecca, for any partnership that clear definition is really important or whether it's a partnership or within your own organization, it really comes down to being able to evolve your capabilities to support these complex therapies. And we've talked about manufacturing and patient services as two areas that need to operate differently in CGT, but also looking more broadly across other functions like medical affairs. They need to evolve to address very specific scientific and real-world evidence needs. Or the market access organization needs to be able to support, as Mindy has said, really innovative contracting and pricing activities throughout the patient treatment journey, or even the commercial organization needs to be ready to engage with a much more diverse set of internal and external customers. And that looks very different than other
2: therapies outside of CGT. Well, we spent a lot of time talking about life sciences. Part of the success in cell and gene therapy will be that the system as a whole is able to orient towards these new, novel, sophisticated types of products that can really challenge the status quo of the system from a perspective of a provider or a health system, right? Some of the challenges that they're facing around this is making sure that they understand the financing element of this. This is not a buy and build type of model that they can easily carry the risk if a patient doesn't show up or a patient cannot actually receive the therapy. I think from a people perspective, it's ensuring that they have the right resources and skill sets in order to be able to deliver these types of therapies on a more consistent basis. From a payer perspective, I think payers are really grappling with the spreading of risk and how do you handle covering these types of therapies and what it might mean to the budget that you've set for your patient population or your member population. Also, The idea of payment over time, how do you actually account for that? How do you qualify and determine what a failure may look like where a payer puts themselves in a position of actually being able to reap a payback if a member that they had didn't succeed on therapy? These are very, very detailed challenges that we didn't go into in this episode, but I do think they're very real. And it's part of why we started the top of the episode to about life sciences, getting it right, but the entire system has to get it right in order for these to be really effective and ultimately benefit the patient, which we continue to talk about that in every episode is that healthcare should be derived, right? And structured to be able to deliver the right care to the right person at the right time. And I think this is such a growth area where we're still going to see some highs and hurdles across the health system, not only with life sciences, as they try to create these great therapies and bring them out to the market.
0: I think that's such a great point, Mindy, where these therapies are really pushing boundaries across the system, not only for life sciences organizations, but also for payers, also for health providers. And that's something that life sciences organizations are going to have to factor into their commercialization plans and really have a clear understanding of how they can be the best partners to work across the system to bring these therapies to patients. Thank you so much, Karen and Rebecca, for joining us today and walking us through some of the opportunities and complexities within this evolving space. For our listeners who are interested in learning more about the work Dynamic has done in cell and gene therapy, check out the links in our show notes and look for a new case study coming next month. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Trending Health. For links to resources discussed in the episode, to subscribe to the Trending Health podcast, and to explore if Dynamic can help your company manage ongoing healthcare industry change, visit trendinghealth.com. Tune into the next episode where we look forward to providing you with more insights on the healthcare industry.